Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we will hear from Pastor Dave Carroll in the series, Slaying the Giants. God, we thank you today that your arm is strong. God, we thank you today that when we stop and, and let the worries of this world fade away, we find that you are a God who cares for us. God, we thank you that you've walked with us every step of the way, even when we don't feel like it. Father, we thank you that you are strong enough to slay every giant in our life. God, we confess today that all of us worry. Father, we worry about things uh, for days and weeks and months, and I know that even some of us would say for years we've been worrying about things that have happened in our life and we're not sure how they will fall. And God, today we pray and ask that your Holy Spirit would come down and speak to each of us individually. God, in this appointment we have in corporate worship with you, and God, that the giants would fall down in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy and pure name. And everyone said, amen. Now, we are starting a brand new series, Slaying the Giants. And yes, it's in the heartbeat of 1 Samuel 17, where the young boy David comes and he defeats the giant Goliath that had been subduing an entire nation. In fact, the entire nation of Israel was sitting around worrying if they had enough armor, if they had enough people, if they were strong enough, if they were big enough to defeat the Philistines when God had already told them that they could drive out anyone in the land of Israel. God had already said it, but yet they sat around and worried if they had enough resource. And here came young boy David, who would eventually become the king of Israel. He comes with, not with sword or spirit, but or, or a sword or, or other armor, but he comes with five smooth stones and he picks one up and he knocks the giant down on the power of God. And can I tell you today, during this five-week series, I'm asking you to come back, invite some friends. I believe some giants are gonna fall. Do you believe that giants will fall over the next five weeks? Here, here's what we're gonna talk about. Today is the giant of worry. Next week is the giant of depression. You know, as a personal note, as your pastor, I struggled with depression for three or four years in a major way, and I believe that that giant can fall because depression is one of the leading, uh, the leading giants to be slain in Montana as we see our suicide rate climb higher and higher and higher, and there is a way out of depression. We'll talk about drunkenness. We'll talk about lust, and then on week five, it's the last Sunday in October, I encourage you to invite everyone because this is huge. We will talk about generational sin and how to kill the giant of generational sin. Have you ever felt that, man, when I look back in my family tree, I, I have inherited 90% of the problems I have from my family tree? How do we break that chain? This is what this series is about, and I believe the giant will hit the ground by the power of God. But today's message is called The Way Out of Worry. The Way Out of Worry. Now, we all worry. Let's all admit it today. Who is a worrier? If it's you, yeah. We are all worriers, and my hand is not up to get you to raise your hand. My hand is up because I worry every day. I mean, we worry about things that are way out of our control. Like, uh, who is the next president going to be? Is the president going to be Donald Trump? Oh, no, we worry. Is it going to be Hillary? We worry. And then even uh, more than that, we say, oh, no, could the president be Kanye? I don't know uh, who the president is going to be. We, we worry about 
whether or not the government is trying to spray our food with poison, right? Anybody ever worried about that one? Uh, We worry about what people are writing about us on the internet. Who cares what they're writing about us on the internet? Stop worrying, right? We we wonder questions like, hey, do I match today? Does, Does this shade of blue go with my blue jeans? And do I look presentable? I wonder if people will think that I look skinny enough in this. We worry about all kinds of things, don't we? We worry, then, then it goes a level deeper and we worry, well, am I going to keep my job because my boss is kind of mad? Uh, some of us are wondering if our past will ever stop running right next to us and if, if it will eventually leave and become our past. Um, some of us are wondering, are my dreams ever going to happen? I have this big dream and it just doesn't seem like it's coming around the corner and we worry, worry, worry. Some of us are even worrying today uh, about does holding a leather Bible cause hair to grow on my hands? Okay, if you looked, to be honest, right? That's, okay, that was cheap, but I decided to do it anyway. But the bottom line is, Worry is a sin. Worry is a sin that keeps us from God. And it is a giant, not because it sits there and slays our life every day, but little by little it takes chunks out of our life. Worry is not this big giant that we look and say, oh, no, I'm about to die. But we turn around after days and weeks and months and years of worrying, and it has become a giant that defines our life when we're supposed to be defined by Jesus Christ. You know, in the English language, they call people who worry a lot a worry wart, right? How many of you have ever had a wart? Well, I'm going to confess, in my childhood, I had warts. And you know where I had my warts? I had warts on my elbows. And you know who didn't like my warts? even more than me, my mom. You know, it's funny, your mom loves your face, but when you get warts, all of a sudden she doesn't like you anymore. Hey, those are ugly. Even though I had a face only a mother could love as a child, right? And my mom decided that she was gonna help me with my warts. She was gonna help me with my warts. And so she bought this wretched piece of equipment called a pumice stone. And this is back before Dr. Scholes. I praise God for Dr. Scholes. I think he's one of the greatest men ever because he's made wart removal so much easier. But for me, my mom walked in and said, hey, I have this great idea. And she hates this story, by the way. She would kill me for telling it. So, mom, if you listen to this on the Internet, I'm sorry for telling this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. She took me in the bathroom and said, I'm just going to scrub a little bit. So she started scrubbing the wart. This back when this was like the way to do it, you know? So she brings me in the bathroom, and I start screaming, Ah, Mom, this kills. I'll just take the wart. I'll leave the wart on there. <laughs> she scrubs some more. I'm screaming. 14 or 15 days later, she decides, I don't think this is working, and working, and it looks like it's pretty painful. And I said, Yeah, Mom, that's what I was trying to tell you the first five seconds of the pumice stone. But, you know, they call, they call in the English language someone who worries too much a worry wart. And you know what it means in Webster's Dictionary? It means someone who either worries too much, in other words, you worry about everything, or you worry about things that really don't matter, that, that really don't have the significance that you're placing them in life. And much like the wart on a skin... Worry warts are ugly to society. Everybody knows who they are, and everybody sees it, that the person is consumed with worry, and they say, ugh, how does that happen? But here's what ends up happening in, in our life. Many times we walk away from the teaching of Scripture, and we walk to the world's ways. We'd rather go to Dr. Phil than the good doctor Jesus Christ, right, the great physician. 
And we try the world's ways, and it's like a pumice stone, and we try to rub away our worries, and we find out that it only leaves us hurt and confused, and it really doesn't work. But here's the good news today. Scripture works. Do you believe that? that scripture works. And it's okay to have church, and that's why I even call for an amen every once in a while. I think that thing has been put down in the ground and buried the amen, but I believe the amen is important in church. So if you believe the scriptures have the answer, can I get an amen? Amen. It's okay to have church up in here every now and again. You know what I'm saying? So let's read 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. I know your program says 6 through 7, but I decided to back it up just a little bit. Here's what it says in 1 Peter. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. So he's starting in on the younger people for a second, but then he says, oh, wait a second, wait a second. I'm talking to young people. Let's go ahead and talk to everybody in the church. And he says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all, how many? All, casting all your care, it's also translated anxieties or worries, upon him, for he cares for you. Now, there's a couple things you wanna know about 1 Peter to put tackling the giant of worry in perspective. First is this, Peter is writing to Christians and he was preparing them for suffering that would come. When he wrote 1 Peter, it was in 60 AD and there was not widespread persecution of Christians in Rome at this point or in any of the provinces that they controlled. But he was preparing them for a coming suffering. And today, if you're a Christian in the room and you have pressures and trials and weight on your life, can I tell you that makes you normal? That makes you normal. Christians and suffering go hand in hand. Sometimes we think that our faith in Christ means that our worries should just fade away, but that's not how it works. We have Christ to walk with us through this life. What a great truth. So he's trying to prepare them for this suffering, but this suffering wasn't coming for a while. Do you know, in fact, the church really didn't have any major persecution uh, until about 112 AD when Pliny, the governor of Bithynia, who was one of the provinces listed in 1 Peter 1.1, that's who Peter addressed the letter to, um, he wrote to his emperor Trajan in 112 and said, just so you know, by the way, I'm gonna kill Christians when they confess Christ. Is that okay with you? And he stamped it off and said, hey, do what you gotta do. And so when people confess Christ, they would kill them. If they renounce Christ, they would let them walk. And you can imagine this produced just a little bit of anxiety with the church, right? Just a little bit of anxiety with the church. Um, you fast forward over to 250 AD. So we had 60 AD about when First Peter is written. You're at 250 AD. What Peter was preparing the church for was a widespread persecution. This was an empire-wide persecution in Rome. And so the emperor Decius signed off that all Christians could be killed whenever you wanted to kill them. That produced just a little bit of anxiety in, in the church. How many of you would worry just a little bit about a, a creed or an edict like that? I know that it would, be, uh, it would be tough to deal with. But here's what Peter is trying to tell us when it comes to worry. Christians, you may want to write this down too, and it's not on the screen, but this is a good one. Christians 
should suffer as Christians. Okay, many times, and and follow, follow this with me, many times when we get the weight of the world put on our shoulders as believers in Christ, we tend to start to act like the world who, ha- who does not have Jesus Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? We tend to revert back and we want to Facebook it all over the place. We want to make sure that we can slaughter the people who are causing us worry. We want to make sure to fight back with earthly means. But here's what Peter is saying. He's talking about worries for suffering as a believer, not anxiety caused by giving in to the world, because that is called sin. So do you see there's a couple layers of worry happening here? Peter is asking Christians to handle worry and to cast our cares on God for being Christians, that kind of worry. The other kind of worry he doesn't even talk much about because it's the kind of worry that should not be in the life of a believer. It should be something that we not cast to the Lord, but we cast to the wind, And so um, there's a couple of blanks that we need to consider here that I want you to fill in about what worry and anxiety does to our life and to our walk with God. And here's the first one. Worry and anxiety causes distance between God and myself. Worry and anxiety causes distance between God and myself. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7 says that we cast all of our cares upon him. Now, if you think about this, if you were really close to God, if you were walking really tight with him, even through some struggles and some valid concerns going on in your life, if you wanted to give God your cares, it would be a handoff, wouldn't it? And I promise no football references after last week's Jersey Sunday, and I think I just blew it with the football reference right there. But it would be a handoff to God. You would just say, God, here you go. We're so close. Why don't you take my worries and then I'll just trust you with them? But that's not what Peter says we have to do when we get caught in anxiety and stress and worry. He says we have to cast our cares. Why is this? Because worry and anxiety causes distance. Let me put this in perspective. If God is here and you're walking with him and all of a sudden your job gets at stake and you give in and you let worry define your life, define who you are, and you become consumed by it, you take a step away from God. Next thing, you start wondering, well, hey, my family is really starting to blow up in my face. It might be your parents, it might be your kids, it might be your spouse, but something's happening with some great big tension and you walk home from work every day worrying, oh no, I wonder what this night's gonna be like. When worry grabs a uh, a hold of your heart there, you walk away again. When you start worrying about, oh no, what is the economy gonna be like? Oh, you walk away and worry and all of a sudden, the, the command of the scripture rings true where we have to do what with our cares? We have to cast them because it's creating distance. You see, this giant gets you to walk away from God one little step at a time. Here's another problem with worry. Write this down. Worry is a serious symptom of pride and unbelief. You see, if you're starting to become defined by the giant of worry, if if worrying is something you do on a daily basis, this is just bubbles going up to the surface of a deeper problem, and that is our sin nature. And so worry is a serious symptom of pride and unbelief. What does pride say? Pride says, God, I can handle the problems. I'm strong enough. 
I don't know if you can handle these problems. And pride says, I'm going to put the emphasis on me. Because isn't that what worrying really is? Worrying is when we decide that we're only going to look at ourselves. That we're only going to um, hoist ourselves up and we sing worship songs, how great I am, right? Because when you worry, you're saying, I'm taking all the matters into my hands, but that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that there's supposed to be a transfer that takes place that shows that you trust in God. And here is um, the next um, part is unbelief. Can I tell you that worrying is simply a small view of God, that you don't believe that God is really who he says he is in his word. You're not sure if he's truly strong enough, if his timing is perfect, if everything that he says he'll do in his word is really true. But here's the problem with unbelief. Listen to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. It says this, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and, say that word with me out loud, unbelieving. Because what, ha- what happens when your heart is filled with unbelief and worry and pride. It says, turning you away from the living God. Now, if you don't have a belief today, you walked in and you don't believe in Christ, that he truly is God, your belief separates you for eternity. But for the Christian, unbelief and worry and pride affect us in a different way. And here's what it does. It helps us shoot our own faith in the foot. Worry is an assault on your own faith. Have you ever wondered, why do I not have enough faith for what's happening in my life? Have you ever wondered that? I've wondered that like three times this week. God, why can't I trust you with these things? And when I stop and think about the things I'm worrying about, it's things that I have to trust him over and over and over and over with. Why? Because God is saying, hey, we're, not, we're gonna stop here, Dave. We're gonna stop in the area of finances. We're gonna stop in the area of what's happening with the church. We're gonna stop with the area of your kids and who they're becoming until you decide that you're gonna have faith in me. When you have faith in me in these areas, maybe then we can move on when you stop worrying about them and you just trust me. Have you ever had that moment with God? That's the moment that I have with God on a consistent basis over and over and over. But when we worry and we have unbelief, It's an assault on our faith. And here's the other part. You see it there in the scriptures in Hebrews 3. It's a revolt against God. And why would a believer who's been saved by grace, right? Who's been saved by grace through faith, why would we want to revolt on the God who saved us? And that is essentially what worrying is. Do you see, worry is is an action. Some of us don't ever grab onto this. When you worry, you're actually doing something about your problem. What are you doing? You're worrying, and that's the action. But there could be some other thing that God wants you to put your hands to the plow in to fix the problem that he's given you the mind and the strength for, but you're choosing to worry instead of to put your hand to work and do what God called you to do. You see, so don't choose worry. It's a, it's a destructive giant. It kills you little by little. But in the uh, heartbeat today of David and Goliath, Back in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 45, David made this big saying that it's, it's stuck with me my entire life. In fact, because my name is Dave, actually it's David, but I, I tried to shorten it for some reason and I like Dave. But it stuck with me because David and I share the same name. I remember this as a young kid reading this verse where David said, 
you come with me, you come at me, Goliath, with sword and spear. But if you know this, say it with me. I come to you in the name of the Lord. That's what he said. And there is power in the name of the Lord. And just like David was told by God to pick up five smooth stones and that he wouldn't fight Goliath with all the conventional armor, all the earthly goods, he would just go with five smooth stones in the name of his God to see this giant fall. Today, I want to give you five smooth stones to kill the giant of worry. Here they go. Giant number one, we get from 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, where Peter says, therefore, humble yourselves. So humility is the first stone you can pick up. You know, much like David, um, David only needed one stone to kill the giant, right? He had five. Maybe God let him have five just to have confidence that if he swung and missed the first time, he had another one. I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. But maybe today, you just need to pick up one of these stones. And here's what humility says. Humility says, I'm going to hand over the reins of my life to God, and I'm going to battle the pride part of worry, and I'm going to admit, I cannot handle my own problems. I am not strong enough. I don't have what it takes. I am a wretched sinner, and he is perfect, holy God who is strong enough. Do you believe God is strong enough? Today, he is. Here's the second stone that you can pick up. Humility might be one that you got to grab, but here's the other one that he tells us, and that is to cast our cares, to cast our cares. This simply is your view of God. Most of the time, we don't hand our cares and our worries over to God, even the small ones and especially the big ones, because we have a small view of who God is. We think God is unconcerned with us and that his timing stinks. How many of you have ever truly thought, God, your timing stinks on this? Like, I trust you, but your timing stinks, right? But when we cast our cares, here's what they do. They leave our hands. They're no longer a part of our life. And you know what that does? That frees our hands up to do the work of God. Can I tell you that you're, you may not be becoming who God wants you to become because your hands are filled with your worries. And they're not free to do the work of God. That's why we have to cast our cares. You know, as a youth pastor, I, I serve some interesting 7th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th graders. And uh, one guy... He would always come to help for youth group, but this is what he would do. Um, he would come to the car, and he would grab two jugs of water. We always had a few jugs of water coming in. And he would hold on to them. He wouldn't set them on the counter. And I would say, Wayne, why you got, why you got two jugs in your hands? He said, well, um, I just like to carry the jugs. Well, can you help me with something else? And he'd say, no, I'm sorry. I, I have these two jugs. You know, and I'm going, what is that all about? Well, that's essentially what we're doing to God when we don't cast our cares. We're saying, God, I got my worries. And in fact, some of us may like our worry and be stuck with our sin. And when God is asking us to be more and to do more for his glory, we're saying, God, I can't do it and I won't do it because, well, my hands are full of my own pride and my own unbelief. And so we have to pick up this stone of casting our cares. I want you to draw a line through the third stone that I'm going to give you. Just draw a line. That's not a bad stone that I was about to give you, but I have a replacement stone. Is that okay today? A replacement stone. And here's what it is. It's serve somebody. Serve somebody. Now, these stones 
these last three stones are going to make sense, and it kind of comes as a package. If worry is putting all the attention on yourself, when you serve somebody, it takes your earthly eyes, and it takes them off of you, and it puts them on someone else. Do you know that God may be calling you to help someone else's giant fall? He might be calling you to help someone else's giant fall. And can I tell you, God will use your service to somebody to eliminate your worries. It's funny how when you put your hands to work and help others, God begins to relieve the stress and the pressures and the anxiety in our lives. So that's stone number three, serve somebody where our earthly eyes go on to others and off of ourselves. Here's the fourth one, and here's that little package deal. So our eyes are going off ourselves and onto others. But now, what do we do with our own worries? It's not like they disappear just because we go and serve somebody. Like uh, 1 Peter 5, 5 says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another. What he was saying is, start serving each other. Look out for each other's needs. Uh, pay attention to each other. But what do we do? Here's your fourth stone. Get off of Facebook and get on your face before God. What do we like to do with our worries? Man, we like to tweet that bad boy out. Uh, we like to put it on Facebook and make sure, you know, really, they're talking about making a thumbs down, like when you're sad for somebody, not that you dislike it, but they really need to make one that says, yes, I'm giving you attention. I don't know what that, what that icon would look like. But, you know, we like to get our worries out in front of everybody like everybody's really going to help us, right? But here's what I'm trying to tell you. Really, that four stone, you could call it prayer. You see, you're putting your earthly eyes onto others. You're taking your worries, and prayer is the vehicle with which you cast your cares onto God. You talk to God about them and say, God, here they are. That's how you do it. So that's a stone. And here's that fifth stone. And I told you these last three, after humility, casting your cares, serving somebody, prayer, or get off of Facebook and get on your face before God. Um, here's the fifth stone. You fight with faith. And this is the third element. This involves your spiritual eyes. If serving other people is your earthly eyes, your spiritual eyes are the eyes of faith. What is faith? Being sure of what you hope for, and it's certain of what you do not see. Isn't the biggest reason why we worry, why this giant kills us, is because we just don't see the answers? We have problems, but we just don't see the answers. And faith looks through um, the eyes of faith and say, I'm not going to look through my earthly eyes at myself or my problems. I'm going to look at others with my earthly eyes. But then with my spiritual eyes, I am going to trust God with every part of my life. That's a powerful stone to pick up and throw at the giant of worry in your life. Listen to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 30. This is the words of Jesus regarding worrying. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to God than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully 
as they are. Check in to this verse right here. This is important. And if God cares, read that again. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into a fire tomorrow, he certainly will care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Powerful words from Jesus about our worries. And I want to go back because the common denominator here between 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, Peter certainly had it in his mind as he was standing around Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount. And, and he remembered the words because there in verse 30 of Matthew 6, the end of it says, He will certainly care for you. Isn't that a great truth today? That he cares for you. And here Peter says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Man, when this giant of worry hits you today or tomorrow or this week or this month, you can remember that God cares for me. Turn to someone next to you and say, hey, God cares for you. <clears throat> you see, the Greeks who Peter was writing to struggled with this, and I think we struggle with this too today. They believed that God could be good. You know, they had their Greek mythology, and they realized, hey, they thought their little g-gods that were false and fake could be good to them sometimes. And so when we, we were preaching the gospel, when Peter was preaching the gospel, they bought in and said, oh, I believe your God could be good. But what really rocked their world, what really got them and cut them to the heart, they couldn't wrap their mind around that God was a God who cared for them individually. Oh, God cares about me? Really? About me? About my life? About my puny little struggles? God of the universe who has lots to manage cares about me? Yes, God cares for you. Isn't that powerful? You know what this means? If you're a single mom struggling today and things are out of control and hard, God cares for you. Stop worrying. It means that if you've lost something precious in your life and you don't feel like you can ever get it back, God cares for you. Stop worrying. It means that if you, every time you turn around and you're running and you look and your past is right there with you and you wonder if it will ever leave, if you'll ever stop the, having the consequences of, of bad decisions that you've made in your past, God cares for you. Stop worrying. Isn't that a powerful statement today? That God cares for you and he can slay the giant of worry if we'll simply trust him and pick up the stones that knock out this giant. Today as we come to a response time, I would like every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, there might be one place that it's okay to worry. That is valid. And that's to worry about your eternity and your relationship with God and your standing with God. You see, if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never picked up that stone, why then you have something to worry about because the Bible says 
that Jesus Christ is the mediator between God and man. He's the one who can solve the question of what is happening with my life? What is my purpose? Where am I spending eternity? Is it heaven? Is it hell? If you're, if you're confused, the Bible simply says this. This is the stone you have to pick up to counter your unbelief. You have to believe that Jesus Christ truly is God, the Son of God, second person of the Trinity, and he stepped from heaven to earth, lived a perfect, sinless life, being born of a virgin. And then he suffered and died on the cross, was thrown on the downtown garbage heap on a cross and shed his blood. And the reason why, as scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. You see, he was pierced in his side to fulfill prophecy. Jesus satisfied the wrath of holy God. And if you will believe in him, that counts for you. Here's the good news. He didn't just stay on the cross, but he rose from the grave and he ascended into heaven at the right hand of the throne of God. And the Bible says, if you will count on Jesus, if you'll place your faith in him and you'll repent of your sin and your way and the giants that have been in your life that you've been grabbing onto and running with, if you'll turn from them and turn toward God and repent and believe in the name of Christ, you will be saved. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Please take just a moment to reflect on today's sermon. Thanks again for listening. And for more information, visit our website at elevationbillings.com.